Welcome, everybody, to episode two of My Town Hustle. We will explore Dora's designated outdoor refreshment areas. Stay tuned. Welcome to My Town Hustle, where we take an in-depth look at the people, policies, and processes that make small towns work. Focusing on trends in urbanism and creative economies, My Town Hustle explores the ideas that make our community special. So sit back and enjoy the show. Welcome, everybody, to episode two of My Town Hustle. I am Jared Perry, joined with Sam Tootin. Hello, everybody. And Brett Alfin. Hey there. Today, we are going to talk about Dora's designated outdoor refreshment areas. I want to kind of give a, a first, like a, a time frame uh, for everybody. Uh, we're recording this in June of 2020, so we are fresh off of COVID-19. We are just getting back to work in a lot of industries, I think, daycare has just opened up in Ohio. Episode yeah. one of COVID-19. Yeah. yeah right. Sure, sure. Hey, there you go. That's true. So <laughs> exactly. We're six feet apart. Don't worry. Don't freak out. Yes. Um, so we, we want to talk about this because specifically I, I do as, as a private sector and as a person in, in downtown on Front Street here in Marietta, and I'm sure a lot of other uh, people listening uh, to this podcast want to understand what, what Adora is. Okay. Um, what are you know, government structures need to do in order to get one, okay. what, who facilitates it, yeah. uh, what are the pros, what are the cons, you know, anytime anything, any change comes up in a, in a micropolitan area, that's going to be a, you know, but, but my kids will be abducted and, you know, bad things will happen. We, we want to kind of flesh those out and, yeah. and not just like dismiss them. Let's talk about them. And let's let's exercise. You know, is this a fruitful thought or, or is it not? Yeah. So, Sam, I know you've got some legislative stuff. I want to get that you know out in front of everybody. I think you've got an application that you can run through. You've got codified ordinances. Yeah. Um, we're going to be dealing strictly with the state of Ohio, but most of this is going to sure. be exactly the same. And I want to encourage anybody if you're out there and you're listening to this and you've got questions, hit us up support at mytownhustle.com. Can't or if you have a question based on what we said, we'll try to you know, get back with you or bring it up and use it for uh, uh, fodder in the next episode. If you hate Absolutely. this, Sam at MyTownHustle.com. Sam at MyTownHustle. Uh, don't yes. email me, please. <laughs> all right, Sam. No, email uh, me. Take I want it. all the fan mail. <laughs> take it away. Well, thank you, Jared. But yeah, basically, you know, Dora, not to explore, designated outdoor refreshment area was established in 2017. That was clutch. Thanks right. for clearing that up yeah. for no, the listeners no, near and far. No problem. <laughs> <laughs> but... But no, but seriously, the door was established through the Ohio Revised Code, Section 4301, which I believe is the liquor control law. Mm. And basically what it kind of is, is a restriction of open container in a well-defined, well-restricted area. And we'll get into those rules and stuff here as the show goes on. But the requirements there are from where you get the alcohol, actually, not coming from your house, right? And really, doors are started in a very simple manner by council receiving an application and that application then going as a public hearing. So it has to be posted in your paper for two consecutive weeks. And then from there, the process moves on. So who did they receive it from? So in our example for city of Marietta, our executive authority would be uh, our mayor. Okay. Communities out there that have a city manager. A lot of these examples, the city manager has prepared it. It comes under their hand. Yeah. We're a strong mayor. Mayor has the executive power, 
that's who would provide this to the council. Of course, with outside agencies or anybody's staff that would help, you know, provide this document that would, council would get. And it should be a well thought of application because they ask for things like a map of the area, a general statement of the nature of the Dora, as well as evidence that the use of land in the area is incohesive with the zoning. So, you know, it has to be in an area that already kind of allows establishments, drinking establishments, sure. right? Okay. You know, it can't be really a residential area. Strictly kind of designed for a commercial district. And also requirements for ensuring public health and safety. A lot of them examples are cops walking around or just patrolling the area. And basically they have the time to then publish uh, once a week for two consecutive weeks that the application, you know, is available at the office of the clerk, uh, date and time of the public hearing, and it goes before council, right? So this is where the public has the right to come in, review it, and that public meeting is going to be very, very informative. Needs to be. Sure. Because your concerned citizens are going to come out and say, whoa, whoa, open container. You know, mm -hmm. everybody's going to be drunk everywhere. Right. No, there's stipulations there, and we'll get into that here as we go on the show. But also in that application, you know, you got to have the boundaries set. You got to have signage, right? So you got to have a perimeter that says, you know, no alcohol beyond this point. You're you have reached the the end, and the requirement of plastic cups. That's first and foremost, right? So these have to be in plastic containers. Brett will get into later about kind of the style, what other sure you know what other examples there are, but that's pretty much it. And we're, Ohio wise codified ordinances. What what sections if people want to Google this themselves and, and check it out? Well, as earlier I stated it was in the liquor control law, which okay. is section four three zero one. Wow, that's deep. Okay. Point Good. eight two. Yeah. Point eight two. Got it. Yeah. Excellent. Okay. Yeah. So, what's interesting is that you have these applications, but you're going to be limited based on your population size. So, cities that have fifty thousand population or more are allowed to have two Doras. They're the only ones allowed to have two. If you're between thirty-five and fifty, you're allowed to have one. If you're below thirty-five thousand. Which we are. Which City Marriott is. You can have one, but you're going to have four establishments in that door, right? Okay, so, so you got to get a, a couple of local restaurants or taverns on board to say, yeah, we, we want we want this to, Correct. to happen. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, it helps us because we have a pretty lively downtown. Very walkable. Some cities True. may never be able to have it because they don't have four establishments that close, right? Because what you're also confined to is uh, acreage. It's 150. It's 150 acres. Yeah. Maximum. So, maximum for our size of a city, which is still substantially large. It's a very large portion of a community, in my, in my opinion. And I think we're well situated for this. So we've got over 20 establishments downtown that have the appropriate liquor licenses to apply. Our C4 downtown district, which is kind of our core business area, is approximately where, today. where we are sitting right now is 135 acres all inclusive so theoretically we could have the entire c4 downtown district included in adora if we so choose yeah. or a small part of that a certain area certain sections um, or any of that and that's all locally determined also too is that once this were to get passed by council if so you know this then goes to the division of uh, of liquor in the state of ohio so you know, that has to go there to get approval as well. 
but also these establishments have to, at no cost of their own, go reach out to their liquor department, right? Say they want to be a participant in the DORA, and they, they're, they're given the approval. Yeah, okay, so after the four, first four establishments apply, yeah. if anybody else wants to be a part of it after it's established, they can reach out. It's of no cost to them. If they're in that boundary, they're, okay. they're good to go. Okay, okay. So I think now we know how, right? Let's, but why? Why would a community, especially a smaller rural town like, like Marietta, why would they want to do this? I think why they want to do this is, you know, the reason we're doing this podcast, right? So our most valuable asset in rural communities is generally our downtown. And so the purpose of Adora is to add another weapon to our arsenal to draw folks downtown. So another reason for people to come downtown. So, you know, we're working collaboratively, you know, through private entities, through public entities to help build businesses downtown, build profits, build awareness of businesses. And so this is another uh, tool that helps us do that. And there are 27 other communities in Ohio that have already established Adora and have them operating and are experiencing varying levels of success. So I think it's all about how do we draw attention and resources and folks back into our critical downtown areas. I think that's the kind of the most simple why I could I could give you. Yeah, and the the why always is followed up with standards and procedures and requirements, right? Sure. So anybody out there that's concerned about it, it's like, okay, well, the state has given you flexibility to establish the actual rules that you want for the door. So again, it's kind of nice because small towns out there. So can, when you say rules. Are you saying like days of the week, hours of operation? Yes. yes. Are you are given, yeah. you know, kind of free reign on, it could just be beer and wine or hard liquor? Like what flexibility is going to that a little bit? So it's defined to, I believe, just beer and an intoxicating liquor, which is the lower amount of percent of alcohol. They have stuff that's higher. The point of that, I think, is to also control the amount of alcohol sure. that you're going to potentially be taking in while you're walking around, right? So beer's not going to get you too crazy, but a hard drink might, especially if you go from one place to the other, only drinking hard drinks. So it is nice in that way, and an hour operation-wise, you could have it seven days a week from 6 p.m. to 2 a.m., or you could just have it Friday, Saturday night. So I'm looking at some examples here, Jared. And so, for example, Canton, seven days a week, 12 p.m. to 12 a.m. That's how they operate it. Um, Kent, seven days a week, 12 p.m. to 10 p.m. So we could choose to have it only on weekends, you know, 10 to midnight. Uh, We could have it on festival times, festival days. So the great part about that is, is, as a community, right, we get to decide when those times and hours are. It's also important to know for folks listening now, later, near or far, this is not eliminating, sidestepping, or, discrim- or, or disparaging open container laws in Ohio, right? So this is, they all still apply. Yeah. Um, we're, we're just saying they're relaxed in these certain well-defined areas at certain times. Yeah. Yeah. So can you go in, I immediately, when we started talking about this, I was thinking open container. Sure. Right? I'm walking around with a, a, a can of beer or whatever, but that's not the case. When we talk about plastic cups, they're, they're clearly defined. They're marked. You go into an establishment. You buy the cup. Right. Yeah. Okay. So if you're on the street, you know, walking around with a, a Bud Light, no dice. Somebody's Correct. pulling you off the street and putting you in a cop car. Correct. Okay. Yep. 
in the cups, you know, they, they, you know, communities do a lot of different things. Uh, most often they're reusable cups. So I would, you know, maybe I would pay a dollar for my cup at my favorite bar or restaurant. I could reuse that cup different times. Some places do different cups for each individual establishment. So I would know, Hey, Sam had a drink and it came from the townhouse and yeah. it's a blue cup. So we would know. And you know, the brewery would have red cups and some places do that. Not, not only as um, a signifier just to show a difference, but to understand, you know, how, how many places are selling, how many drinks, um, where, if, so, if there is an issue with somebody, where do they get it from? Yeah. Right. So if we know, Hey, this place is maybe really over serving somebody and they're having an issue so they could they could trace it so uh the cups are are uh, a constant and you so when you buy your cup at an establishment and you get your drink you can go out into the public with it and you can't go into another eating or yes. drinking establishment with that drink um individual storefronts so like a merchandise store or like a regular store that you would go in to buy something they can have signage on there that say dora yes so hey if you've got a drink you can bring it in or not and that's up to individual shop owners, but you, under no it's like circumstance. A Brazilian steakhouse, like red, don't bring me any more food. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah exactly, yeah. exactly. So you know, if 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 you've got your drink <laughs> and you want to go into your favorite store and buy something, um, maybe they'll let you based on the signage, or maybe they won't. So uh, there's a lot of local control here and a lot of local feedback, which I think is the excellent part about um, you know giving the communities the ability to set it up for what works for them. Yeah, well, so I'm gonna put my community you know, John Q citizen here. I'm walking my kids, uh, in our twin stroller headed down front street, uh, in the Dora district, should it pass. And, you know, I think my biggest concern is not necessarily people walking to and from, but people hanging out. Yeah. I'm drunk, hanging out in the corner, you know, selling Buicks off of the corner of Butler street. Like that would be my concern. Sure. Right. So, how does how do you police that or where how does that come into play there are going to be there's going to be outliers right so people are already drinking downtown they're already there they're already moving so it's like oh what if someone's at a dora and they're going to get in their car and they're going to walk away well more than likely they're already in a dora they're just not outside drinking and they are inside drinking and they're probably going to get in their car and walk away right so the policing of it aspect is one you know by what Brett had mentioned that you can't go into another establishment with the cup. So it's kind of, you got to finish it. You got to move. You got to, right. You can't just sit out there and keep knocking them down. But you could technically, I mean, I don't want to, you could nurse one from one establishment to the next. Like, right. I mean, as long as you're outside and not yeah. going in an unpermitted establishment. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But if it's another permitted establishment, such as, you know, another bar or restaurant. Can't take it in. Can't take it Can't in. Take it in. Can't nope. take it in. Okay, so where I leave it, I got to finish it before I go into the next place. Yeah, you can't yeah. go into another eating or drinking establishment, and yeah. you can't, but you can go into a store, like a, not an yeah. eating or a drinking establishment. So if you wanted yeah. to go buy a t-shirt somewhere, and the sign in the store said, Dora, yes, you could enter the store with your drink and buy your t-shirt and go on with your business. Yeah, and you also have to realize that it is a dollar a cup. So if I having almost the example of different cups from different establishments really even is a better way to police it sure. because let's say I left the brewery, I'm in the red cup. I go into the townhouse as Brett had mentioned, I can't use the red cup. I can't even bring it in. It's in the trash. Am I going to spend another dollar at the townhouse just to walk back outside with a beer and then go back in? Right? So you got to think sure. they're at least going to go to the townhouse to sit and enjoy the ambiance of the restaurant. 
Now they might have a couple drinks there and then leave, pay another pay for a drink and an additional dollar for a cup, but you're not going to refill and keep going in and out. Okay, so if there aren't multicolored cups, if it's just one cup, I still can't take an empty cup into the other establishment. You can take an empty cup in. Yeah. Okay. You can take an empty cup, yes, and reuse the cup. Yeah. If we just had one cup for the whole city, you could take your empty cup in. Yeah. Get it filled. Okay. I think I follow you. Well, and to but, your original question, Jared, I mean, I think it's like it's just like parenting, right? A few bad apples will ruin this for everybody, yeah. right? So mm -hmm. if there's an incident where, or multiple incidents where this really imp increases public drunkenness yeah. or delinquency downtown, it's going to force the city council and other folks to reconsider that. Um, there, there's just no two ways about it. Now, hopefully, folks will be on their best behavior, right? Mm -hmm. uh, this is a privilege. This yeah. is not a right. This is a privilege. You know, we're we're doing this to kind of enhance the experience of downtown, yeah. and we need to treat it as such. So, um, I'm optimistic that folks will do the right thing and be responsible, but obviously the risk for folks to not do that is ever present. And uh, I, real quick to get back to the cup refill, right? Sanitary wise, even without a plastic cup, if I'm at a bar and I, I want to get a draft, I hope they're not using my cup to fill a draft up, which is going to have some contamination there. So I think restaurants and establishments, you come in with your empty cup, I'm charging you a dollar for a whole new cup. I'm not just filling that up for the price of a beer. I'm charging you that dollar. You sound That's, like the private sector there, Sam. Yeah. I like it. <laughs> um, I, I want to kind of get granular for just a second on Marietta specifically. So does this apply? Obviously, Marietta is 13,000, 14,000 people, something like that. Does this apply to us? Are we allowed to take advantage of this? I've heard kind of varying things in the newspaper, so I want to kind of get that clear. Absolutely. Yeah, it's been talked about in the paper that it's not designed for downtown districts, but 100% it is. It's designed for commercial districts that have these type of establishments. Luckily enough, we have a community that has a vibrant downtown. Yes, we have some sprawl, but you know we have restaurants here that could greatly benefit as well as a walkable city. So that's completely false that that would be even stated and it needs to be stated that cities have that opportunity if they meet those requirements. Sure. doesn't matter yeah. about it being downtown. And inside that Dora, is it only sidewalks or are you allowed to designate? Cause I'm sitting here thinking in my mind, pedal cabs. Is that a reality now? That's a great question, that Jared. Great question. I don't know that. I don't, and I don't know that any of the 27 other communities in, in not in America, in Ohio that have yeah. Doras. Yeah. Um, are facing that. It seems that, you know, my research shows that they're operating what I would consider a very basic implementation of Dora, which is foot traffic, uh, well-designated, well-timed uh, yeah. areas. So I don't know the real answer and, to your And pedal caps probably has more law into it that we haven't digested sure. into because you're, it's moving, right? Yeah. They're not only that a pedal company will probably want some kind of liability insurance. So that part of the law, I don't know, but be easy to explore. Okay. All right. So, so I don't want to, I promise I'm not going to ask a whole lot more questions before we close out this episode, but I do want to get the perspective in general and here locally, the main economic advantage, right? If I'm, because there's going to be people on the other side of this. Yep. What is the main economic advantage and how does it yeah. benefit those who are, you know, starting out opposed to it? So I think the main advantage here is, is we're really trying to press all of our assets, all of our energies, all of our intentions into building up our downtowns. Like I said earlier, 
in these small communities and rural communities, the, the tangible, valuable, very limited asset we have are these downtown areas. And so anything we can do to, you know, to build value in there and make them more sustainable, make them more resilient, especially coming out of the pandemic, are things that we should be doing. And this DORA is one of those conversations of many that we should be having about how do we support these businesses, right? How do we, how do we not only support them organizationally, but how do we help them drive and grow their profits? You know, how do we make more people aware of what our downtown has for tourism purposes, for migration purposes, right? We want people to play here and work here, but live here, right? So Mm -hmm. we're trying to press, this is just one thing that we're trying to use to press our competitive advantage that we have. You know, there's nothing else like downtown Marietta, Ohio. I, I would argue, or downtown of your town where you're listening. And so uh, what we're saying here is use things like the Dora to make that as competitive and resilient and as strong as it can be. That, that's, I think, why we're having this yeah. conversation. And the playbook for, for this might look different in each and every community. A hundred percent, right, a hundred percent. And that's the beauty of it. I think that's the beauty of it is it can fit your needs, right? Yeah. Some other community might not want to do it the way Marietta does it or the way Chillicothe does it or the way Middletown does it you know, do it your way that makes the most sense for you. And that's the beauty of the local control of it. Yeah. So to you, Jared, as the small business owner, resident expert of our group, I mean, you sit here in Inkswell in downtown Marietta, you watch folks outside, you watch the traffic. I mean, what does it mean to you? I mean, what do you think this could mean for our community? What, where do you think it might leave us? I mean, I'm curious to know for you. Executed properly. I think it could be really advantageous. Um, I've noticed in the last three years since I've moved back, uh, there's been a lot of investment in right. some yeah. restaurants here locally on, sure. on Front Street. Definitely. And, um, you know, we have things like Run Club um, every Wednesday night. It's a group of 30 plus people. I mean, you got everything from people walking dogs to moms pushing strollers uh, to people running six minute miles. I mean, yeah. and yep. then they all meet up at a restaurant, you know, kids play, you know, parents will have a, a burger and fries and then people go their separate ways. Um, executed properly, I think it could be, could be really advantageous. And I think the goal of it, if I were, I'm not a restaurateur, but if I'm putting my restaurateur hat on, I would probably try to engage, you know, if if we need four here in Marietta, I would try to be one of those restaurateurs getting three others together and say, let's do this because we all got to come back. Right. Right. None of us want to close our doors. Right. So how can we help each other out? Even if in just for the short term, I'm not a big union unionizer guy, but I think in the short term, you know, if you want to go far, go together. Right. Right. So how do we, uh, how would that look like? Whether that's a revenue share, whether it's coming up with special promotions to promote people going from one to the next so that yeah. they don't stay there sure. too long and yep. get too drunk. Cause that's, that's what happens. Yeah. People, you know, if you sit in a bar for Four or five hours, you're going to get drunk, right? And you're going to stumble to wherever you're going. But if there is something for you to do at the next location, then it becomes an event. It becomes, you know, something, you know, oh, I want to go down there and do that. And then when I'm done, I go, right? And then you pace it out. So that's kind of how I would look at it. I don't see any real negatives that would stop me. You know, I mentioned the policing of, you know, somebody selling Buicks on, on Butler street <laughs> earlier, but you know, to me, I could say the exact same thing as the counter argument to every road in America with, with a speed limit sign, which is every single one. Sure. You know, there's not a police everywhere you look, you yeah. police car everywhere you look. That's people will speed. They will cross left to center. 
you know, it's only there when you're there to catch them doing that. So people will they'll undoubtedly break rules. Uh, it's just uh, how much, how often, and when do you have to rein it in? Yeah. And I think it's it's a commitment to properly enforcing it, right? So we can have all the policies we want uh, around any of these things, not just Dora, but anything. And yeah. if we're not going to enforce it, that's when it becomes problematic. So yep. I think you're 100% right. Yep. Yeah. And when they see that problem of enforcement, they know they can push the boundaries, right? Sure. When you're when you're firm and you're strict, I'm not, I'm not even going to say strict. When you're firm, people, consistent. consistent, people see that, they respect that, and they don't try to push it anymore. Yep. I think even more today, as we are talking about this in June of 2020, consistency is key. Yeah. That consistency is absolute. And I think that's going to end up being a theme of this show as we go forward is understanding how can we encourage folks to be consistent in their execution of all these things that we're going to talk about over these next months and years. Yep. Absolutely. Well, all right. I think that's going to uh, do it for this episode of My Town Hustle. I want to thank Brett and Sam and uh, to our listeners. We will see you next time. Thank you for listening to My Town Hustle. We would greatly appreciate it if you would share our podcast with someone who you think would benefit greatly from it. But most importantly, subscribe and leave us a rating and review on iTunes, Spotify, or whichever platform you consume your podcasts. It would mean the world to us. Until next time, folks, thanks for listening.